We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. What's going on, guys? Andrew Claudio here with a quick programming note. You are listening to part four of not one, not two, not three, not four, but five parts. And for those of you that have already listened to part one, two, and three, yes, I did record four different intros with the same recreation of LeBron counting his titles when he went to Miami. Uh, Regardless, this is part four of the Jalen Brunson plan, the extensive cap or no cap that Jeremy did for us and for all of you. Um, In case this popped up in your podcast feed and you didn't hear parts one, two, and three, uh, go back and listen to them. So it's all in order. Parts one, two, and three are pretty extensive. They cover uh, in part one, uh, it's a recap of the week. Johnny Brunson, uh, Johnny Brunson. Wow, I just did that. Johnny Brunson and Rick Brunson. I'm leaving all of that in. You're welcome. Uh, John and Jeremy discussed uh, those two Knicks assistant head coaches and whether one will still be here in a little bit. Uh, they discussed Mark Berman and his appearance on the Knicks Film School podcast feed um, with uh, with Chris on draft class. And then it's been a deep dive on Rick, Br- Rick Brunson. I did that again. And I'm leaving this in too. You're welcome uh, on Jalen Brunson and whether or not he fits on the Knicks and all the things he does well, some of the concerns you have um, some other players that are making close to what he's probably going to command in free agency, eight potential trades and whether they work um, as a, a sign and trade option for the Knicks. And here in part four, Jeremy gives some examples of trades that sign in trades that involve draft picks before I join the show, uh, along with John and Jeremy. And we discuss whether we think this is going to happen and some of the other options and and kind of a, a conclusion to this conversation and whether or not Leon Rose, the great recruiter, the head of CAA, if he's actually able to do this. Um, will he finally get the credit that he deserves? Or if he doesn't do this, 
you know, is it finally to start wondering if, if he's the guy? All that and more coming up. Thank you for listening to all four parts. Part five will drop tomorrow. It's a conversation with Jeremy and Chris. It's a bit of an epilogue that'll come out tomorrow. Uh, part five, the no Jalen Brunson plan. That's where Chris comes into the picture. Um, thank you for listening to these four parts. Hopefully you listen to all three before this. If you have and you're ready for part four, here it is. Part four, cap or no cap, the Jalen Brunson plan. I've been ducking this for a reason. I want to talk about the cost of doing business for a sign and trade specifically looking at some past examples. Okay. So in 2020 or 2019, excuse me, the Bucks and the Pacers did Malcolm Brogdon for Indiana's 2021st and two future seconds. Why was it that the Mavs, the Mavs, why was it that the Pacers had to include a first? Well, because the only thing that the Bucks were receiving was a traded player exception. And traded player exceptions are great, but they also have to yield a player. It's now incumbent on the Bucks to acquire, to acquire a player with that exception. And they may not even do that. They may not acquire anyone with that exception, which means that they will have effectively lost Brogdon for very little. So the cost of doing business for Indiana was the first round pick because the Bucks said, we're not getting anything by this deal. Also, Malcolm Brogdon is a restricted free agent. So we don't have to play ball with you, Indiana. And Indiana said, yes, you're right. Okay, uh, here's. I think it was even a protected first. Um, it was, I believe, it was a protected first, and that, and that is the. We can't emphasize that enough. He was a restricted free agent. They had to get Milwaukee to relent. Yes, that was the cost. Another one, Gordon Hayward, and two future seconds for a conditional second. That was the Hornets and the Celtics working out the Hayward sign and trade. The Celtics gave up two seconds and got a conditional second, which then actually went to the Knicks in the Fournier deal. Um, but that died because it was a heavily protected second. So it didn't really matter. Um, why did the Hornets get two second round picks and Gordon Hayward? Because the Hornets had cap space. They, I mean, they, um, stretched Nicholas Batum's contract to create the cap space, but they did it anyway. Um, so basically the play was Boston. If you want to not lose Hayward for absolutely nothing, then you will sign and trade him to us. But as a, as a result, you have to give us two second round picks again, though, not a comparable scenario to what the Knicks are dealing with. The, the, the Knicks will not be getting assets to take on Jalen Brunson. Correct. Um, Next, Kyle Lowry for Goran Dragic and Precious Achua. Um, Goran Dragic was an expiring contract at the time. Um, Precious Achua was used for two reasons. Number one, he was effectively the sweetener. But more importantly, number two, he was needed to make the math work. So the thing is, if you're Maasai, you could have... Uh, didn't I think you and Danny talked about this on the last pod, right? Where, he mentioned it, yeah. Yeah, like he, Maasai overplayed his hand. And could have gotten a lot more, but didn't. So the reason Precious Achua was there was, yeah, it was partially because he was valued by the Raptors, but more realistically, it was to get the money across. Um, and, you know, Lowry's 35 and Dragic is on the older side. So, um, but this still isn't totally a comparable example either. Nope. Next, Lonzo Ball for Thomas Sedaransky, Garrett Temple, 2024 second and cash. This isn't perfect, but it's 
it's similar. The reason it's not perfect is because like with Malcolm Brogdon, Lonzo Ball was a restricted free agent. But look at what the value coming back was. It was Sadoransky, who really didn't do much for the Pelicans, was eventually dealt to the Spurs and then waived and then signed with the Wizards. Uh, Garrett Temple had a good role with the Pelicans for a while, was not good at all. Um, They got a future second and they got cash. Again, you can say what you want about Lonzo Ball. That's not a good return if you're the Pelicans. It just isn't. That was, Um, yeah, that was a... People did not like that trade for the, because it was made in the other part of this, we should mention was made in conjunction with New Orleans completing. Uh, I think they signed and traded for, uh, Dev- or it was a sign trade, Devontae Graham. So, like, they were getting Graham as well. So, it's like they were a little bit more willing to let Lonzo go for not a lot because they were like, hey, we're getting Graham and we want Graham. And we like Graham. Well, guess who arguably has the worst contract in the NBA right now? Well, um, at least for a, 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 ca- a cash strap team like the Pelicans, yeah, they need to move him, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand there are like bigger contracts that are probably worse, but in terms of like the value, like a player being not worth what his, his team is paying, um, yeah, it's DeMar DeGrom. Anyway, yep. let's get to the last one. The last one is DeMar DeRozan and a 2020 uh, second for Alpha Rukaminu, Thaddeus Young, 2025 first and a 2025 second. This was. That 24, 25 first is uh, that's a that's a spicy meatball. It is, and I'll break down why that was included. Um, Thaddeus Young was expiring, expiring salary. He's a good player, at least he was the year before he was traded. Um, so that's where the twenty twenty five second would come into play. The twenty twenty five first comes into play because Al Farouk Aminu was maybe the worst player on a contract worth more than $7 million. <laughs> That's uh, accurate. How bad was Al Farouk Aminu? Well, he signed a three-year, like $29 million deal with Orlando. I was about to say, God right? love Orlando for giving uh, that contract. Year one, played 18 games. Year two, 17 games, then was traded to Chicago where he played six games. And then year three, was traded to San Antonio as part of this deal, didn't play a single game, and was waived. Which means that... <laughs> He played a million dollars a game, basically, right? I mean, he 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 played uh, forty-one games over a three-year yeah. span and made twenty-nine million dollars. A little bit less. Good job by you. Good Not job by his agent. Whoever that is. But so the reason why the Bulls had to include the first was because they had to say to San Antonio, "You're going to take on bad money." It's only a year, but it's bad money. And then the Spurs said, "Like, yeah, we're not doing anything short of that." If you let's just quickly review every single trade and look at the team that was sending out the player and what leverage they got back, right? Like on the open market, Malcolm Brogdon's going to get you better than a mid to late first and some seconds. Hayward is going to get you more at the time was going to get you more than having to give up assets to get rid of him. Kyle Lowry would have been more. We know he would have been more uh, four months earlier when he could have been dealt. Lonzo Ball, like he could have been had for. What seemed like a hefty price at the yeah. time. And DeMar DeRozan, if he were traded and then the Bulls had his bird rights, he would have actually cost more at the time than he did later on, um, even with Al Farouk Aminu. So what I'm getting at here is that when a player hits free agency and is acquired via sign and trade, it's not like a standard trade. The leverage shifts to the team that's getting them. It's really just how can we work out the details, which is why if the Knicks give up a first round pick for Jalen Brunson, they haven't just shot themselves in the foot. They've basically blown off their entire foot. 
which is why I would be very surprised if that is the cost of doing business. Because if they're sending back someone like Derek Rose, who is a good player, not of the level of Jalen Brunson, but if the trade is lopsided to begin with, because that's just the nature of the sign and trade, it shouldn't require a first round pick going back if you're also getting something that is a value back for Dallas. And that is the key point. My guess here, and I could be completely wrong. And again, Jalen Brunson may not even leave the Dallas Mavericks. But if this type of thing happens, I don't see the first round pick going back. What I see is a second round pick. It doesn't even have to be the Detroit pick. Because again, these are not good second round picks. They're just seconds. It's more like this is the sweetener. It's not a great one. I could see the um, like the Knicks own second round pick or like one of the more middling ones with the whole complicated uh, second round pick that I'm not even going to go into detail with. Oh, like, yeah, I know that so. that one. Um, and it could even be, hey, Dallas, you know how we kind of have you locked up because you can't trade really your first round picks. We'll unlock the 2023 pick this year. We'll unprotect it, which means you now have access to trading 2025, 2026, 2027, and so on. Like that's the type of move that I think is much more appropriate than sending out the first. If there was a time for the Mavs to get a first round pick for Jalen Brunson, it was at the it was deadline. At the deadline. Yeah. And that's what all of these trades exa- analyzed yield the same result. I, I, I hope you're right. And I, I, you make a great point and you probably are right. The only thing I will say, I think every, obviously every situation is unique. The Spurs had no interest in keeping the Marta Rosen. Now, does that, that's not the be all end all, but I do think it, I do think it matters. Um, you know, at the same time, if you, it's complicated because like, again, if you're like, we, we don't see behind the scenes, like how this stuff works. If Jalen Brunson makes his decision, how does it look for the Mavs to play hardball with the Knicks when their player has said, I am leaving, I have decided I do not want to play here anymore. Like at that point, you just, you, you kind of have to work it out and let, I, I, I hope you're right. I think you probably are right. I think they could probably get away with it for for maybe that that Detroit pick, but I don't know. I wonder who knows what the who knows, maybe the Mavs send a, a future second or multiple future seconds for the right to get that that first back because I I do think that first is very valuable to them and it is arguably more valuable to them than it is to any other team in the league, which is why like if these two teams are doing business anyway, would they not figure out a way to send that pick back to Dallas. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But that that's part of my thinking. So something to add as well is that the Knicks could also send cash because no matter what, the Mavs are likely to be in the luxury tax. It's just a yeah. matter of, are they going to be overwhelmingly in the luxury tax and paying a ridiculous amount of money? Or is it going to be less? But another angle this is kind of like an added wrinkle the Knicks could make. Let's say it doesn't have to be him, but he's the obvious example without getting too confusing. Let's say the Knicks sign and trade Mitchell Robinson. And let's say they created a traded player exception. And let's say it's more than $3 million. They could find a way to break up the trade that I was talking about into two parts where they take on someone like Sterling Brown and then the Mavs save a lot of money. So is it like they take on, like they sign and trade, they stay over the cap, right? They sign and trade Mitchell Robinson. They get a traded player exception. um, They take on Sterling Brown and then they send cash for Sterling Brown 
or you know, sure. they send the rights to a, a drafted play, to a player that's not uh, Rokas Yokobitis. And then then the teams do the deal where it's Derek Rose going to the Mavs and a third team taking on someone and um, the Mavs give up a second round pick and the Knicks unlock that first round pick so that they have far more flexibility and can build around Luka Doncic. Like, that's the sort of thinking where it can get a little bit more elaborate. I just, I still, I'm not saying it's impossible and that the Mavs don't have leverage and that they won't get a first round pick period. I'm just saying that if the Knicks do cave and do that, they will have gone off the beaten path than a lot of these teams. And it will have been kind of a weaker moment. It doesn't seem like a Brock Aller team thing. It doesn't to do. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's even a way, I mean, this would be very complicated. So I'm a little dubious of it. Maybe there's a way that if you do sign injury, Mitchell Robinson, can you figure out a way to make this into uh, a four team deal? Um, they don't happen a lot. No. It, it probably doesn't happen because it's just with base your compensation and two different players. It's a mess. The other, I don't think it happens, but um, the other part of it is the timing of it. The, I, I mean, we'll see. I expect Brunson to be a, a night one thing. Uh, Enough time has passed in between the yeah. end of the season and now where I, like, I don't think they need a whole lot. They just no. won't decide it at 6 p.m. on the dot like Lonzo Ball. <laughs> no, it might be later in the evening, but I, I would be, I personally will think he will make his decision uh, right away. Mitch, I feel like because he plays center and because the center position is the one that is perhaps most in flux, uh, as I was talking about with Danny the other day, where you have the Gobert domino and the Aiton domino and like mm -hmm. all this other stuff. Mitch may Mitch is going to be like a day, a day three, a day four, a day five, whatever thing. Um, maybe, but maybe, maybe a team that's bowed out of it or knows that they can't get one of those players. Like we talk about Chicago. And what if Chicago make a says, big offer or something? We yeah. can't get Gobert. We can't get Aiton. So let's just strike now. Let's just jump on it. What we can. And yeah. Maybe, maybe Mitch says, no, I want to wait till those guys end, or maybe they give him an offer that floors him and they work out a sign and, and trade and it's fine. And the other part of it is like, if the, if the principals agree and there's no, there's no opportunity cost. There's that word again. If there's no opportunity cost of waiting and seeing how the Mitch thing shakes out to see if you, it makes sense to include him. Like you see, you see this every free agency where it's like, Teams agree to a deal, but they're they're holding off on it because they want to see. And plus, you can't even actually sign these contracts or, or do complete these trades in, until uh, after the moratorium is over. So, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe it happens. We'll see. Yeah. So just to quickly wrap it up. I mean, we talked about Jalen Brunson, the talent. We talked about the impact of the payroll on the Mavs, their luxury tax situation. Um, talked about the contract, what Brunson could be getting. Um, for me, I think the most I'm comfortable with is that four years, $100 million mark if and only if it's a descending deal of 5%. Um, I'd be much more comfortable, obviously, with uh, 95, with 90, you know, somewhere in that range. I think it, it is going to be over 85, and I'm fine with that. But my preference, of course, is that it's a descending contract. Um, I, I still think at the end of the day, yes, it is completely up to Jalen Brunson. But he's looking straight in the face of the idea of if I sign, if I resign here, the odds of me getting traded, they're probably pretty high. If I sign in New York, the odds of me getting traded, they're not zero, but they're lower. And if the time comes, then so be it. Um, we talk about trade options, what works, what doesn't. Um, damn you, base your compensation. And then finally, 
we talked about precedence. I think my final offer, and it's flexible, but basically, yeah, if, if you can find a way to trade Rose to the Mavs, um, send out additional salary to a team with cap space, team with a trade player exception, um, whether it's Burks, whether it's um, sending a second for Noel, whether it's sending a second for Kemba, uh, whatever it is, that sort of thing. If you can also take on additional salary by doing the Mitch TPE, if he's gone, um, sending cash, unlocking the first round pick, all sorts of minutia that could occur, but finding a way to not trade a first round pick for Jalen Brunson, um, which history says he shouldn't get as long as the Knicks don't deal an absolute albatross, which it doesn't seem like they would in this situation because of base year compensation. Um, that's the important thing. But uh, again, I just, if they're not going the IV route and Brunson wants to be here, I'm totally fine with it. It's you, just, I just prefer it a little bit under a hundred million dollars or less descending contracts and not giving up a first. That's my goal. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by CarMax. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because CarMax believes you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car they sell has CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Start shopping now at CarMax.com. Do you think Jalen Brunson's a Nick next year? Honestly, um, before 
again, it's, I don't know what he wants, but just looking at the Mavs finances, looking at how he's the only realistic player that can get them closer to where they need to be with Luka Doncic. Um, I think he is. I think he's a Nick. I, I think that what will happen is that the Mavs will offer him more years and more money and he'll turn it down. And then they will come out with a report not too long after um, that Tim McMahon will release from Mark Stein, one of the guys who's close to Dallas, saying the Mavs offered more money and more years, but Brunson decided to go ahead and, and leave. That's why they went after Spencer Dinwiddie, because he's insurance. They could start Dinwiddie. They could bring Rose off the bench. Um, they can sell it as we lost Brunson, but we got something out of it. Maybe we unlocked our first round pick. Um, they figure out a way to make other trades down the line. But yeah, I, I, I think that the world where Jalen Brunson's a Nick is based on the Mavs finances and how Brunson would be feed for uh, food for, for fodder for a trade. Like I think it's likely. Andrew. Think Jalen Brunson's a Nick. I'm back and forth. And part of it comes from something you guys haven't heard, um, which is the next part of this cap or no cap, which will air tomorrow. A um, little behind the scenes, Jeremy and Chris disagree on what to do with Jalen Brunson. And they had it out the Wednesday before what was supposed to be cap or no cap Jalen Brunson. Plans. wonder why. So, so what is now, you know, two weeks of quarantine later, uh, you will get to hear them talk it out. Um, you've both said it obviously throughout this, this extensive cap or no cap, but the simple, the simple answer is like, if Jalen Brunson wants to be a Nick, they could be a Nick. If he reads into what Jeremy's talking about with their finances and like, yes, I could sign for more money, but then I could be playing in Detroit or Sacramento or wherever in a couple of years. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to be where I want to be. And I trust that my, my godfather won't trade me if I go to the Knicks. Um, the, this might be a preview for next week, Jeremy, but the Jaden Ivy of it all as like their home run swing is what's giving me hesitation. Cause if I'm Jalen Brunson, I know I personally like am familiar with the people running the Knicks and would probably take the deal, but the Knicks might have an alternate route and not want, he might not want to be a plan B to whatever the Knicks have planned when he could just go back to Dallas and maybe they do want to, pair him with Luca and make another run at it. So it's a long winded way of saying that I think they got a real shot, but there are other factors and other routes that play that I think they may pursue as well. John, before you respond, can I just jump in with two quick things? Yeah. The first is I do think there is a world where you could have Jaden Ivey and Jalen Brunson on the same team. Um, John disagreed with me last week when See, I said that. I know, I, but okay. the reason happens, why man. The question, of course, is can you have both those players and Emmanuel quickly? Um, but I think if you're, if the second point is, if you're Jalen Brunson, are you starting ahead of Jaden Ivey? Yeah, you are. You're the high paid veteran. You're there. Um, it gives Ivy time. It goes back to the conversation of maybe Ivy doesn't start right away because of the fact that, I mean, you would think, hey, he's taking fourth overall, the next signed him and all these Especially things. Especially if they're, what they're going to have to give up to get up to four better be for a starter, right? Right. But my point is still, you could, you could have him be comfortable, like 
still getting it's Tibbs. We're, like, are we losing facts or losing sight of the fact that Tibbs and rookies and all this? And My starting? understanding is that if Tom Thibodeau, Tom Thibodeau's on board with, we're trading for the fourth pick he, because he's a starter. If because it's Tibbs, he's going to be playing seven minutes behind Evan Fournier. I'll, I'll pass. But, well, yeah. but again, I'm not even saying it's behind Evan Fournier. I'm saying it could be starting him off. I'm not saying it's likely. And again, mm. if you go back to the conversation Rick Brunson had with Derek Harper, he said uh, a lot of it depends on, or, or not Harper, um, or it was another interview that he had. He said that a lot of it also depends on the Knicks and their drafting situation. So maybe it is that the Knicks say we'd rather have, if we have a realistic shot at Jaden Ivey, um, and we'd rather just do that and have him running the point than we do Jalen Brunson, then so be it. But I think that, and it also depends on what the Knicks would trade for Ivy because, and this is another conversation, but if they're, if there's a way where they are hamstringing themselves the following year and they lose their first round pick, that maybe they're like, let's win games. Let's have a starter who we know oh. is an NBA talent. Bring yeah. him in. Let's make sure our pick, the lowest it is, you know, again, we talked about this as a this was a bad year and they still went 37 45. Yeah. Let's get back to at least above 500. Let's try to make the playoffs. And then we've done what? We've traded for Jaden Ivey for last year's pick, which was 11th, and this year's pick, which is 15th, 16th, if you can yeah. get there, something like that. Like that is how you can have your cake and eat it too and not be so hamstrung by doing it. And you don't force Ivy in a point where rookies typically don't play winning basketball. It's really hard for them to do it. Even some of the best players in, in the draft, they like Kate Cunningham, obviously great. Um, Evan Mobley did a great job. Jalen green. didn't have the talent around him either, but like at a certain point, there's some guys who it's not that they shouldn't start or can't start. It's that they can start, but can they also contribute winning basketball? It's an uphill battle for guys who've never done the NBA grind. And that's why I think that there is a world where you can do that because the other thing, you can always flip Jaden Ivey down the line for a star that better helps you in other ways. But that's, again, a greater conversation. I just, I Neither do think there's a way that you can have them coexist. I just don't think it's long-term. It doesn't also have to necessarily be long-term for reasons I've stated repeatedly. Um, I keep going back to the Ivy thing as well. I just, I don't see the deal. I just, I just, I just don't see it. They'd have uh, to mortgage one of the, like, legitimately give up on one of the the young kids that. But even give up on, like, but I, I don't think they, I, I don't, I don't see them trading RJ. And if they don't trade RJ, like, fine. Let's say they're willing to put quickly on the table. And next year's first and 11. Is that like who, where, like, how is that getting them to four? Cause I, if you're Sacramento, I don't know, maybe, maybe you do it, but I, if nobody wants, if, if Portland doesn't want Randall, if Sacramento, if you can't, par, if you cannot parlay Randall into a trade up to four, I just don't see how you get four. And if you don't get four and you're Leon Rose and your backup options are Malcolm Brogdon and D'Angelo Russell, and I'm sure I'm missing some uninspiring name that I... Russell Westbrook. I don't even... I'm literally just one? saying a name, guys. Those there's, are a backup option. Why do you love Russell Westbrook? Listen, you some Russell Knicks Westbrook? fans might say they'd trade anybody on the Knicks for <laughs> Russell Westbrook. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure Des, they would. Despite months ago saying that they wouldn't even go near Russell Westbrook. Shout out Stephen A. Smith. 
Um, why would you bring up his name? Um, if those are your, if those are your backup options, I like, man, if you can't get Jalen Brunson and your Leon Rose, what the fuck are you doing here? This has been your best point. I think John, that like the, the ultimate recruiter, if just turn it, you can't get Jalen Brunson. Then, then what is this? Just turn you in know? your resignation. I, I, I mean, that may seem a little like, seriously, what, what are you doing here? Like if you want him, if, if you don't think he's a good play basketball player, then whatever, we got a different conversation, but like, if you don't get him and we're sitting here and looking at Malcolm Brogdon or D'Angelo Russell as the next starting point guard next year, like I, I don't want to hear it. Um, if you can't get Ivy, go get Brunson. I, I, and gun to my head. Yeah. I think they'll get him. The only thing with like, why is Leon Rose here? If they can't get Brunson, if, if Jalen Brunson's just very happy with where he is, then I, why I is that, that an indictment on Leon Rose? Well, that's, I get it. that's the point. If you're supposed to be able to convince people to, leave a happier situation to come to a happier situation. The person you should be able to do is your godson. Like it would be like if I told, tried to convince my little brother to come work with us, you know, and he's like, actually I'm good working at but like, my place right. of establishment. So, uh, hold on. Up. Let know? me back Jeremy up on this. If Jalen Brunson is truly happy in Dallas, that's different, but I don't based on everything we've heard. I, it, that does not seem to me to be the the case, um, especially with the uh, it's not even reported with with his dad saying that they were offended by how the Mavs operated. So, like, that's there. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's all water under the bridge. I I, I don't. I Money guess. talks. I don't, Bullshit. Yes. And that's again, if you're talking about how Leon Rose is supposed to be this incredible recruiter, the point of bringing Leon Rose and all his CAA connections in isn't to get Jalen Brunson. It's to get established stars and superstars. And the way you get those players is by getting better as a team. It doesn't have to be finding a star in the draft for big markets reasons, as I've stated. It just has to be get better plan your future and the cap situation the best way possible. And then you can use that leverage and make yourself be the most attractive team out there with cap space, with the ability to also do another trade on top of that down the line, you can do it. It's about patience and it's about building a better product. It doesn't have to be, Hey, we got to get Jalen Brunson in the building or else it's a problem. Like, yes, Obviously, if you can't get Jalen Brunson and he signed for something that's less than four years, $100 million, then you have to chalk it up to one of two things. Number one, he loves being on the Mavs. Number two, how did you not overpay over that? Like, how did you not pay more for that? Because if that was attainable, why didn't you? Well, that but was what I, made, I, 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 we don't have to talk about this, but that was what made the, the Van Fleet thing a little annoying two years ago is like, he signed for fair market value. Right. To stay, and obviously he wanted to stay in Toronto, which is which is fine. That's his that's his right. But he stayed in Toronto for fair market value, which means either the Knicks didn't want to pay him or the Knicks were potentially going to offer to pay him more. And he was like, you know what, don't bother, keep your money. Which that but again, that was two years ago. So I don't, and, I don't and think he got fair market value just for what it's worth. Like if you go back to to the slide, he made the equivalent of twenty three point eight million dollars. And he his team he wasn't lured away by another team. The Raptors re signed him. All these other guys were making the equivalent of like 22, 
21, 20, 17. Van Vliet got the most money and the Raptors were the ones that paid him. I would have been fine with the Knicks getting Van Vliet. But also we're then talking about Van Vliet getting like 490. And to him, is that is $5 million worth the happiness he's had in Toronto where he won yeah. a, chi- a title? Apparently not. Apparently not. All right. Well, okay. Andrew? I think the CAA part of it also, and this shout out to Chris, this Berman interview, him saying that like we knew the connections with Obi, and that's why the Knicks were willing to trade up if they had to. And using his CAA connections, Leon was going to maneuver like don't take Obi guy at team at four. Don't take Obi team at five. And he fell to him and Berman almost hinting that since Jay Ivey is CAA, that this could also lead to Jay Ivey dropping and all of a sudden the Knicks straight to pounce to a, to a later spot. I wonder if that's actually the place where the CAA connections I'm with you, John, I don't see the deal. There is a longer conversation that started in the beginning here where Jeremy Jeremy's big takeaway was that Julius Randle can't be here. The longer conversation is I just I don't see a team that wants him. Like talking to Danny about about him, talking to, to Brendan, like the Kings and and the um the Kings and the Blazers, I think, are off the list now. So um hey, look, you know, things, listen, things change constantly. Things change. You never but know. I, but... Everyone has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. <laughs> Right. And the Knicks got hit in the mouth with a four-year extension for Julius that's, Randall. That's not my point. And also, no, it is not getting hit in the mouth by the extension because the okay. whole point of the extension was that they would have the flexibility to trade Julius Randle this offseason without having to worry about where he decides to sign and trade to. That was the whole point. Mm-hmm. Getting hit in the mouth is like the Blazers. We want DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton says, I don't want to go there. Okay. We want Zach Levine. Zach Levine says, I don't want to go there. Okay. Well, do we want Jeremy Grant? Pistons want too much for him. Okay, what do we do here? That is it. It Julius Randle doesn't have to be the number one choice or the number two choice. Hell, even the number three choice for teams. But when things start flying off the shelves and you got to cook dinner, you do the best you can. You hoard I, goods. Listen, I'm I'm cool if as a fit, a plan E a team trades with Julius Randle. I don't think it's going to be that easy. Well, well, I, I didn't we'll say see. it easy. It's a plan. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get resigned to the fact Julius Randle is going to be a Nick next year is my point here, which listen, I've been very wrong. And I hope Jeremy on this right. pod, what's the capital of Turkey or whatever it's called. I've, I've been very wrong in the past. What draft pick did Ralph Sampson get taken? Um, I'm still at the point where uh, just through the information we've been gathering from the way we've covered this off season, the Randall trade, I don't see it either. Like the same way, I don't also see a trade up to four unless it's like RJ plus some one of the other kids. But it doesn't know? have to be getting from eleven to four. Well, I agree. Getting the, from the Kings 11 are the to team that have made it clear that they are looking to trade their pick. Is my point. Like if it's get getting it. from eleven to four, I don't see it. If like Ivy's gonna fall to seven, or if the Knicks have a trade to get to eight or seven. Ivy. Then maybe, but I just I, I don't, I, I don't he's see not gonna fall he's not past to four or five. All but, but my point is you're easy, it's easier to jump from eight to four than eleven to four. So right. if there's a way to get from eleven to eight, obviously. Which my is why we laid is, out in, in the first place. Like either have to trade something of significant value, get to four. Right. Which is right. my all of this to say the Jalen Brunson of it all means this is their move. I don't I think it's gonna be significantly harder to get to four and the Jaden Ivy that we might cover next week is one thing, but like the Jalen Brunson move, it seems like this is what 
they're they were brought here to do, so they've been set up to do and like go get it done. If if this is if this is within range and hopefully hopefully he hates Texas as much as I do, you know, and he's willing to come come home to New York. We'll find out soon enough. Won't and if you want the counterpoint of that, tune in for the next part of Cap or No Cap, starring the host of Draft Class, Chris Percy Einan, against the co-host of Nick's Film School podcast and the host of uh, Cap Rules Everything Around Me, Cream. Oh, by the way, Chris and I are throwing around a live stream for him, too, where he just answers draft That's questions good idea. called Dream. Draft Rules Everything uh, Around Me. I like it. There you go. Um, so more, more on that later. Jeremy, you outdid yourself. This was good. Thank you. This was very good. Um, Andrew, thank you as have, always. Thank what? you. I actually do have something to plug. Oh, you do? Um, shout out to Rich McLeod, um, part-time contributor to the Knicks Homeschool podcast. Uh, he and his Mets newsletter with uh, Michael Barron, uh, formerly of Mets blog, but... Uh, they now have a newsletter called Just Mets. They have partnered up with Playback to do some hey, Mets watch parties nice. over the rest of the summer. And they will be joined by yours truly on said watch parties. So I've collaborated with them. Our first Playback watch party of a Mets game is this Wednesday. Um, oh, boy, am I wondering. Like The, the beauty of the basketball ones, I know when the clock's going to run out. I have no idea when this baseball game's going to end, but we're working on some things to make it entertaining for all however many hours this baseball game goes. And how do um, folks get, get access to that? So check out um, at just Mets, just underscore Mets on Twitter. You can subscribe to their newsletter. It's their pinned tweet. Um, and then it's a free link. We're not, it, it's not like a Patreon perk. It's just anybody that has access to the link and join us. We'll tweet it out on Wednesday. Um, so yeah. You can jo join me and Rich and Michael for a Mets game on Wednesday. Uh, I'm going to follow them right now. Playing the Milwaukee Brewers. There you go. The Brewers. Yes. The they won yet? Yes, they won today. Mm. You know who has not lost in like a month, Jeremy? The well, Atlanta New York Yankees. It, well, them too. But the yeah. Atlanta Braves literally have won 11 games in a row. I know. That's like did a, a they're up to they're up three to one in the seventh inning against the Angels right now. God knows if this comes back to bite me and they blew the game after this gets released. But like they are going to end up with a five and five or four and six road trip when they're like decimated by injuries. And regardless of what happens in this game, they will end tonight with the best record in the National League and the panic that has set in in this fan base because the Braves, we do not have proof they will ever lose a game again. You know, I'm already like kind of. I'm already kind of over the Rangers because they were never supposed to beat the Lightning to begin with. Shout out for Jeremy for predicting the Lightning to win. But I'm also like, I'm also like ready to go enjoy the summer of the Mets competing. And now the Braves are seemingly in back in championship form, which is not great, Pop. There's always the dark side. John, the Yankees don't lose. I, on, I've heard on, well, not against the for, Chicago Cubs. They don't. No, no, no. They don't lose. They, they're on pace for 120 wins. That is a real thing. I know Aaron Judge is on Aaron base for like 66 home runs. And Joey Gallo. Yes. That like in a lineup that, as Jeremy mentioned, has like automatic outs in it. And yet they're still like their pitching is great. They're they're they have the MVP of the league on pace for 60 something home runs. Yeah. Mm. Yankees are really good. You could you should get into baseball this summer, John. Uh that's it. I'm good. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Um, Everybody, uh, Jeremy, awesome again. Andrew, awesome by you, as always. Uh, And everybody out there, awesome job by you listening to another episode of the Next Film School podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, Tune in uh, later this week for Chris and Jeremy, for... um, cream in pod form that sounded odd um and other 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 wonderful content from your friends at nick's film school we will talk to you later peace out <laughs>